Welcome to the audio version of Bogard Press's Through the Bible Adult Study Guide. Being true to the Word, Bogard Press has aided in the discipleship of thousands for over 100 years. Of those 100 years, the Through the Bible Adult Sunday School literature has been a staple to many. Join us as we listen to the Through the Bible Adult Study Guide with writer Brother Mark Clements. So grab your Bible and let's get started. For living from Exodus 19 and 20. Application The student will appreciate the love God has shown in giving rules that govern and direct our lives. Seeking the context My wife and I have been blessed by God with four children. When the first child came into this world, we realized very quickly how unprepared we were for parenthood. As the saying goes, children do not come with instruction manuals. So parents must learn on the fly. As our firstborn grew, it seemed we made up household rules as we went. We would discover areas of concern and establish new rules to guide our child's behavior. As the other three children have come along, we have discovered they learned the rules pretty quickly so that discipline became less an issue for them than it was for the firstborn. We also learned where some of the rules needed to be adjusted along the way. This seems to be typical of all new parents. God was not a new parent when it came to the people of Israel under Moses' leadership. God was not forced to make up rules as they went along, but his people did come to a point where they were ready to receive his direction. The Israelites had successfully evaded Pharaoh's attack by God's supernatural deliverance through the Red Sea. They had learned that God would provide for them whenever they needed food and water. They had successfully defended themselves from an attack by the Amalekites through God's power and Moses' servant leadership. As for Moses, he had been introduced to the difficult challenge of leading this nation toward the promised land. Already he had dealt with massive complaining, threats of rebellion, and an attack from their enemy. As he tried to mediate among the people, the task became so overwhelming that his father-in-law, Jethro, advised him to delegate judges who could assist him in settling matters among the people. Exodus 18. This adjustment allowed for better communication among the people and gave them a method of holding one another accountable. The stage was set for God to reveal his rules for living. Godly parents want their children to live meaningful lives for the glory of God. In the same way, God has high expectations for His children. Today's text establishes the expectations God puts on His people for behavior that glorifies Him and represents Him well to the rest of the world. God reminded the people of Israel what He had done to the Egyptians in setting them free so that they should have known His care for them. God told Moses that if his people would obey his voice and keep his covenant, they would become a nation that was distinct from the rest of the world. God desired that his children become a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, which would lead every other nation to know its creator. The Israelites would accomplish this through demonstrations of holiness and worship, showing God's glory to the world. When Moses shared God's desire for the nation of Israel with his people, they agreed wholeheartedly to do everything God would command them to do. Exodus 19, 1 through 8. 
parents who have high expectations for their children know it is impossible to expect behavioral changes unless the children know what rules to follow. Now that the people of Israel agreed to keep God's covenant and obey His commands, the stage was set for God to deliver the rules that they should follow in order to glorify Him and represent Him well to the rest of the world as a kingdom of priests. Why is it so important for God's people to know what He expects of them? Searching the text. Number one, God commands reverence from His people. Exodus 19, 17-19 And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. Before God spoke one command for his people, he told Moses that they should consecrate themselves, wash their clothes, and prepare to encounter a holy God. Once they did, Moses would bring them out of the encampment toward the foot of Mount Sinai, and God made sure everyone knew he was there. God desired a clear separation between himself and the people, warning that anyone who would dare come closer to Mount Sinai than God allowed would be stoned or shot through with an arrow, Exodus 19, 12, and 13. God wanted his people to know he was there. Before he gave Moses the rules that his people were to follow, he commanded their reverence. As they drew near the mountain, the people heard loud thunder and observed lightning coming from the cloud that had descended on the mountain. They heard the loud sound of a trumpet blast that kept growing louder and louder, and the entire mountain trembled from an earthquake. We cannot easily imagine this scene that unfolded before the nation of Israel. The people huddled at the base of the mountain, forbidden to draw closer, and experienced the sights, sounds, and feelings of God in their midst. When Moses later described the people before God that day, he wrote that everyone shuddered in fear, Exodus 19.16. It should be obvious that God does not desire to scare his children to the point of death, but he does command reverence from them. The very fact that God drew near his people in order to lovingly guide them toward holy living should be proof that his intentions with his people were not vicious or dangerous. The display before his people on Mount Sinai was intended to show them as much of his glory as they could handle, showing that he is holy and is worthy of demanding holiness from his people. In today's Western civilization, reverence toward God is not observed very often. Reverence toward a holy God begins with an admission of personal guilt and lack of holiness in ourselves. If humility and repentance are absent in the heart of a person, he will likely refuse to reverently bow down to a holy God. God has not changed since the days of Moses. He is still God, he still commands reverence, and we would be wise to approach him in fear and humility. How does God command reverence from his people today? Number two, God commands obedience from his people. Exodus 20, 1 and 2. And God spake all these words, saying, 
I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Once God's holiness was firmly established in the eyes of his people, he began to give Moses what we now call the Ten Commandments. God has the prerogative to tell his peculiar people how to live before him and how to live with each other. The commands in this list are not exhaustive, but they show Israel how God expects his brand new nation to approach holy living before him. Additionally, when the people of Israel abided by these commands, they demonstrated to the world how beautiful and holy Jehovah is. Following these commands would keep their hearts faithful to God. Exodus 20:3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The first of the Ten Commandments established the exclusivity of Jehovah when it came to worship. God demands loyalty from his people, which means he will not allow them to serve any other gods. To bow down and serve other gods would be to set up other deities in competition with Jehovah in the hearts of his people. There is no such thing as other gods, so for us to yield ourselves in devotion to anything or anyone other than God is to dethrone God in our hearts. Exodus 20:4-6 Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. When the Apostle Paul entered the city of Athens, his heart broke when he saw how idolatrous the people had become. He saw statues, idols, altars, and entire buildings devoted to false gods. When he began preaching the good news to the people, he began by clarifying that the one true God does not dwell in temples made with hands and is not served by human hands. The God of the Bible is spirit and is not worshipped materially. This worship reality was the basis for the second commandment of God, which forbade his people from carving or casting anything that resembled anything on earth or in space with the intent of worshiping it. God knows how deceitful our hearts can be and that when we give any material special significance, we are tempted to devote ourselves to it rather than to him. God said he was jealous, meaning that he desires exclusivity in worship. When our hearts are directed toward anything or anyone else, we bring judgment upon ourselves. Exodus 20, verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. The third commandment required his people to honor and revere the name of God. His people should avoid treating God's name lightly, using his name for insincere purposes, or swearing by his name for selfish purposes. Jehovah is the name of God, and his people demonstrated holiness to the world when they revered his name. We must treat God and his name with reverence. Exodus 20, 8 and 9. 
Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. The fourth commandment was the last given to direct his people to live holy in regard to their treatment of God. This directive commanded Israel to treat the seventh day as holy in comparison to the first six days. As God worked six days in creation and rested the seventh, his people were to labor for six days but rest the seventh, setting it aside for the worship of God. Destruction comes when people forget to consecrate a day for worship of God. In New Testament times, this holy day transferred from Saturday to Sunday, since this was the day of the week on which Jesus rose from the dead. Luke 24, 1-3 and Acts 20, verse 7. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Commandments 5 through 10 move from the people of Israel's relationship with God to a focus on their relationships with each other. The fifth command for God's people demanded that children show proper respect to their parents. This not only includes minors obeying their parents, but also includes adult children supporting their parents with material goods and care into their old age. The latter treatment is a matter of respect due to honorable parents who took their roles seriously and with honorable intentions. God blesses those who honor their parents. Exodus twenty thirteen. Thou shalt not kill. Human beings are created in the image of God, and the long-term success of a primitive nation requires people to treat each other with dignity. To preserve a sense of safety and tranquility in the land, God prohibited his people from murdering each other. Perhaps this seems too simple, but in this ancient land, it was necessary for Israel to be distinct from every other nation, which often denied the image of God in others. Exodus twenty fourteen: Thou shalt not commit adultery. The very first institution created by God to foster godly culture was marriage and family. God gave the seventh commandment to help protect the sanctity of the family through prohibiting sexual intercourse outside the boundaries of biblical marriage. The family is the basic building block for society and adultery destroys marital vows, deeply damaging the family. Exodus 20, verse 15, Thou shalt not steal. The eighth command addresses mankind's natural tendency to sin against his neighbor by taking what does not belong to him. This may seem overly simple, but remember that God gave these commands to help establish a very new nation of people in a new land. Some nations across the world do not have a simple understanding that one should not take what belongs to someone else. God's people should not only respect other human beings as image bearers of God, but we should also respect their property. Exodus twenty sixteen, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. In addition to protecting another person's parents, life, marriage, and property, God demanded that his people also do their best to protect others' reputations. This ninth commandment forbade God's people from lying about the activity or inactivity of others in an attempt to harm them unjustly. This is a basic common sense approach to living in a biblical community. 
Exodus 20, 17. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. The final commandment related to man's innate tendency to desire someone or something that does not belong to him. Covetousness becomes a motivation for harming others since it allows our hearts to desire what belongs to someone else so much that we would be willing to commit any sin to get it. When we are overrun with covetousness, we damage our relationships with others since our motives are impure. God wants his people to treat each other with pure motives which come from being content with whatever God has given to us. How does obedience to God accomplish His purposes? Setting the Application These commandments may seem overly simple, but remember, they are fundamental elements of a holy society of people who foster godliness among themselves and glorify God in the world. With this foundation of godly living, God gave the people of Israel everything they needed to live in a godly manner. Of these Ten Commandments, all are repeated in the New Testament with the exception of the rule for observing the Sabbath on the seventh day, which Christians move to Sunday. While Christians are not under the law, but under grace through faith in Jesus Christ, we are nevertheless expected to live in a manner that demonstrates holiness for the world to see. The people of Israel assumed the role of a royal priesthood, which means that God desired them to connect the rest of the world to Him. They did this when they obeyed His rules for holy living. While the people groups surrounding Israel worshipped multiple gods, Israel stood out as distinctly monotheistic. While the other nations treated fellow humans with contempt, malice, deceit, and covetousness, God's people would shine by showing honor to parents, preserving fidelity in marriage, treating others with dignity, respecting the possessions and reputations of others, and maintaining contentment with everything God gives. Our lives should point others to God, serving as a showcase of God's glory. How can you bring glory to God through your obedience? Thanks, Brother Mark, for sharing such great truth with us this week. Join us next week as we take another look at God's Word with Brother Mark. Don't forget to join us daily on our Through the Bible daily devotionals on our daily devotional blog at www.bogardpress.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.